Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back for episode 16 of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Uh, Wade, it's a big day for the podcast studio. As you, I mean, as listeners, if you heard last week, we have Wi-Fi and cable in the in our new podcast studio in, on Miramar Road. And we just made a bigger move, which is actually getting a TV and upgrading our cable package. So now we're getting all the sports channels we need. Yeah, about to watch the Yankees lose game three. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, bottom nine. We're listening. We're recording on Monday evening. Astros up four one. So by now the Astros lead the series two uh, one. I'll probably be in and out of this podcast. <laughs> so I was going to say, uh, since I'm doing the show now, Wade can just watch baseball um, while I do the podcast, and you can just you're already not paying attention. So DJ LeMahieu just fouled one off. I like DJ LeMahieu. On today's show, Team USA Baseball, a little minor story, but it's it's worth referencing. Our boy Xavier Edwards is the only second baseman listed on Team USA Baseball's roster. Good for him. Which is pretty, kind of a big deal. I mean, we're going to go through what that means later um, and what exactly Team USA is doing uh, later in the show. Also, we're going to play a new game, which is called Guess Who I'm Talking About. I didn't have a lot of time to workshop that name, but that's what I came up with. Guess who I'm talking about. Yeah. So I'm going to just Maybe workshop that a little more. <laughs> you weren't here earlier. So what I'm going to do is Baseball America released their top 20 prospects from each league list. And we're going to run through the leagues and which Padres appeared on the lists. And I'm going to kind of read off some descriptions and some stats from each player, where they ranked in the league. And I'm going to see if you can guess who it was. Some will be easier than others, but uh, we'll see how you do. That's a ball game. I'm surprised you didn't say anything. Game three goes yeah. to the Astros. That was a quick uh, half inning by the guy who beat his girlfriend, the the closer for the Astros. Oof. That's facts. We, we, we don't do. True. Uh, before we get into all that stuff, let's do some news. Your Javelinas have dropped back down to 11 and 9. They were hot there for a while. They are now three games back of the surprise Sajaros, who have now won five in a row. I feel like that that's pretty safe at this point. I think uh, I think our Javelinas are done. Meanwhile, Josh Naylor, who is not in the Arizona Fall League, he's been there in the past, uh, was an uh, all-prospect team in the 2017 Arizona Fall League, actually. a walk-off last night. You see his pimp job? Was he on the Marlins at that time, 2017? Or was he on the Potters? I feel like he got traded in, six, in the 2016 season. But yeah, he's playing in the Dominican, and he hit this, the nastiest walk-off it was a walk-off, right? Not just a home run. Oh, yeah, it was a walk-off. Uh, describe Zoolander style. Describe what he did. It's tough to – he just hit a massive home run. It was huge. No and doubter. He kind of drops the bat and crosses his arms and just stares at it for like 10 seconds. Stood, 10, 15 just, seconds. Just stood in like the batter's box. didn't get out of the box. Yeah. Uh, was the catcher – Upset with that or was he okay with it? Because I saw him – I couldn't tell. I mean it was such a short clip that I saw on Twitter. I saw the catcher just raise his hands up kind of like uh, yeah, confused. But or... I don't know if – because in the Dominican Winter League, like everybody pimps their home runs. Yeah, that's the pimping league for right. home runs. Um, anyway, he's tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, Dominican Winter League just started last weekend. Um, 
he has three hits in his first seven at bats so far. He's playing with Escojito. That's good. I mean, this is nice to see. He, hit t- he hit, during the season, uh, he came up fairly late. I think he got his everyday job starting. What was it August? I want to say. Before that, kind of up and down with AAA. He hit 250, 315, 403 slash line with eight home runs and 32 RBIs in 94 games of the Padres. Mostly playing left field. Did he have a better second half than Fran Mill? Um, that's tough to say. I feel like I, I followed Fran Mill's post Padres career a little bit, and he kind of just I feel like he flatlined. He he was really he had a terrible start to his career in, in Cleveland. I think if you remember that correctly, he started like over ten or something. Yeah, uh, hit, hit a few home runs, but kind of settled into that two fifty range with like a three ten on base and hit home runs. I want to say at a similar clip. I think he finished with about thirty five home runs, but had most of those here. Obviously. Who's going to have a higher WAR next year, Naylor or Fran Mill? Well, they're both they're both pretty bad defensively. Uh, let's see, Naylor. I have these numbers in front of me. Uh, Naylor was. Minus three runs, def- uh, defensive runs saved in the outfield last year, according to Fangraphs. I don't have Fran Mill's numbers in front of me, but I, I'd assume I'm it's worse. pretty sure they're worse. Yeah. yeah. And probably substantial. I feel like I read somewhere he was minus 10 defensive runs saved. Does that sound right to you? So yeah, if you're going to try to calculate uh, either the F war or the R war based off those numbers, if we're using Fangraphs of the, the F war, I would probably say it's, it's safe to say that Naylor is probably going to have a higher on base percentage, play a little bit better defensively um, in left field and in right field than Fran Mill. Not as much power, but I don't think Fran Mill's power numbers are going to make that gap big enough for him to overtake Josh. I, I'm sure Josh Naylor's F four next year is going to be higher. Would love to see Josh Naylor lose a little weight this off season, coming a little slimmer. That's kind of part of just who he is, isn't he? He's always been that kind of guy. His younger brother Bo, who plays in the Cleveland Indians organization, kind of the same looking dude build yeah better hit tool than power tool Naylor's more power over hit in this point in his career but we're also going to talk about him a little bit later in the show he's got to drop some lbs to really get that defense a little up he's just kind of clumsy out there it's not i don't know if it's his weight it's just he's not uh he, he came up as a first baseman he's he's trying to adapt to playing the outfield this is his first year really playing the outfield drafted out of high school played with the marlins at first base he was with the padres he played first base and then when Preller made, I think, probably the worst deal that Preller's made so far as the Potter's GM, which was signing Eric Hosmer. Would would you be on board with that? That's the worst thing he's done so far. I mean, those four gold gloves speak for themselves. Spare me. So anyway, Naylor had to move off first base now because we have uh, the rotting corpse of Eric Hosmer at first base, and now he's playing left field for the first time. I thought he did okay. Minus three runs, uh, defensive runs over the course of the entire year. That's not too bad. That's that's closer to league average than you think. And Fran Mill, if you're if you're down at minus ten or something, which is what Fran Mill was at, then you have a lot more work to do. And he's a lot lighter. He's he's nimbler. He actually has some speed. You see him run the bases. He's a fast guy. He beats out ground balls. His helmet just comes off every time he runs. It's the hair. The hair. Well, he's not only is he fast as the wind, but yeah, the hair kind of poofs up a lot. And I like his energy. He's got a lot of good energy in the in the clubhouse and the dugout, um, similar to Fran Mill Reyes. So like, once again, RIP Fran Mill, but I think Preller made the right move there, getting rid of him. Well, choosing we'll, Naylor over Fran Mill, and cho- we'll getting Taylor Trammell too. We'll my, see. What, we'll see what Taylor Trammell does. My boy. Uh, other stuff in the news that's happening. Not a ton of Padres news, obviously, because it's you know October and the Padres, of course, are not in the playoffs. So 
Minor League Baseball, MILB.com, announced Gold Glove Awards for the minor leagues. Any thoughts on who might have been involved with the Padres? Was this all three leagues? It's Well, it's all the leagues. So just it's it's kind of like the Platinum Glove Award in baseball. It's just like who's the best defensive player at each position. It has nothing to do with league or age or what have you. CJ or Xavier Edwards? Spoiler, Eric Hosmer did not get a gold. I know he's a four-time Gold Glove winner, but he did not win one. You love making that joke. Yeah, God, I have to. You did it earlier. We get out of here. <laughs> uh, no, no Padres were on the list, unfortunately. So winners, let's just run through a few of them. Um, eh, might as well do all of them. There's, there's only nine. So first base, Will Craig, who's in the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates organization. He's a he's a college player from uh, Wake Forest. Uh, played at the International League this year, um, Indianapolis. Nick Madrigal at second base. He's with the White Sox, of course. He got drafted a couple years ago out of uh, Florida. He's he's had a really good year. He's a yeah, that was a Florida. Why are you eyeballing me like that? Wasn't he Oregon State? Whoa, why did I think it was Florida? Who was yeah, I think who am I thinking of? He's a beef, bro. He is a beef. Who was I thinking of? No idea. Hmm. I might have been thinking of that shortstop. Who was that shortstop on Florida? That really good team? I don't know. I just know <laughs> Nick Madrigal won the College World Series with the Oregon State Beavers. Good catch. That's why you're here, Wade. Uh so he's he's been compared a lot to a, a Luis Arias type, but I think probably with the better hit tool. No power, no speed, tiny dude. No speed. I mean, stolen base threat. He's gonna he's gonna probably chip in ten to twenty stolen bases, but not like a D Gordon or a Billy Hamilton. But anyway, uh, shortstop Donnie Walton, who's in uh, the Seattle Mariners organization, third base Key Brian Hayes, also in Pittsburgh. He flew a prospect list last year. If you play in like dynasty leagues or something, and you roster prospects, Key Brian Hayes, you you had a good uh, a good run with Key Brian Hayes last year. Mark Contreras in left field. He plays for Minnesota. Victor Victor Mesa, the the one bright spot of the Miami Marlins organization last year. He's the, a Cuban defector. Came over a couple years ago. Highly rated prospect out of Cuba. Had a good year. Jesus Sanchez for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rich get richer. He's in right field. Known for more for his bat. I'm pretty surprised to see him on this Gold Glove list. To be honest. And then the Cubs uh, catcher Johnny Pareda uh, played uh, at Double uh, A with the Smokies in Tennessee this year. And then the pitcher, I've never heard of this guy, Matthew Kent for the Boston Red Sox. No idea who that is, but not important. No Padres, but some interesting names on there. Mostly guys, uh, I'd say about half and half guys that are real good prospects that we're going to see the next level. Will Craig, Madrigal, Key Brian Hayes, Jesus Sanchez, definitely. And um, I think the the book is kind of out on the rest of the guys. Like we're not, we're not sure yet. Victor, Victor Mesa is a maybe for me. And the rest of the guys are just kind of, I mean, they won gold gloves, so that's nice, but I don't know if they're going to, necessarily make it to the next level, but just a fun list to look over. Uh, next list I wanted to look at was the MILB Toolshed pitching standouts list. So this was interesting to me because, well, one, a pottery was involved, um, unlike the previous list we just went over, but the, the Toolshed list was was comparing uh, pitchers in the minors, um, who were the top five pitchers with in FIP and ERA this year and kind of comparing the two and where are the big discrepancies between ERA and FIP? What is FIP? So if you want to know what FIP is, I, nice job, Wade. That's that's what we do in the business when uh, we have something to explain to the audience and you help me out there. It's a, it's a good assist by you. So FIP, fielding independent pitching, FIP, measures what a player's ERA would look like over the course of a given period of time. You know, it could be it's one start, it's the whole year, whatever. Um, if the pitcher were to have experienced league average results on balls in play and league average timing. So 
That's an insane stat to keep. Isn't it? It's baseball. That's what, that's what <laughs> baseball does now. So it, it kind of normalizes ERA. So ERA, things can affect ERA that necessar- aren't necessarily up to the pitcher. So not just errors, but uh, the range of your defensive players, um, how accurate their arms are, like things like that. It's it's not just um, coming up with errors and ERA and stuff like that. It's it's a way to help kind of normalize all the pitchers on an equal playing field. And yeah, I get it, it kind of sounds ridiculous, but um, it's a pretty useful stat for people who are trying to figure out maybe which pitchers are not living up to their potential, which pitchers are getting lucky, stuff like that. So Mackenzie Gore, we want to talk about Mackenzie Gore. He is the fourth ranked pitcher on MLB.com prospect rankings. He threw 101 innings last year, had 135 strikeouts uh, across single A and had a couple starts at double A. Was was had an amazing year. Had a 169 ERA, which was first in the California League. The FIP though, 270. So what we're seeing there is almost a full point higher. No, just over a full point higher in FIP than the ERA. And that minus 1.01 difference among his ERA and FIP was actually the fourth highest among any pitcher in um in those in those top lists. So what does that really mean? Uh, well, it means that he had an 88.1% strand rate, which means players who got on base, he left those guys on base 88.1% of the time compared to, uh, you know, like league average is close to a 50%. So players were getting on base and they were not scoring on him. So that's why his ERA was so low, had a really high strand rate. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to regress to the mean, which is a popular analytics term. This is his first year. A lot of guys in baseball have high strand rates, and that's just a skill that they have. They can leave runners on base frequently. Garrett Cole left a ton on base today. Yeah, that doesn't. I don't think that means anything. Gave up zero runs, bad. but had like nine people left on base today. Some evalu- evaluators will think, or not think, but it, it's common to infer that a high strand rate will normalize, and that his ERA will go up once everything kind of equalizes out. But I think a lot of pitchers in today's game have become masters of stranding runners on base because it's a three true outcomes league, home runs, walks, strikeouts, getting double play balls. Yeah. If you're walking a guy and then you strike out a ton, you're leaving the guy on base and it's not runners in scoring position. This is just all guys left on base. 88.1%. It's a really high number. The other number that contributed to this uh, discrepancy between FIP and ERA was his ridiculously low 239 BABIP. So BABIP is the player's batting average on balls in play. So in today's game, there are not a lot of balls in play. A home run is not a ball in play, a strikeout, a walk. None of those are balls in play. So it's everything in between. 239 is really low. So for the average player in baseball, the BABIP should be about 300. That's over the last few years. That's what the league average is. Now, some players have a much higher BABIP because for various reasons, maybe they're really fast. So D Gordon has a really high BABIP or maybe they have a really high line drive rate, which leads to a high BABIP because the percentages of line drives that become hits are a lot higher than soft hits or ground balls. A la Eric Hosmer, who has a lot of ground balls. He's going to have a very low BABIP because the chances of that being a hit are not very high. So if Mackenzie Gore is giving up a lot of soft contact if he's striking out a lot of players, if he's straining a lot of players, he's going to have a low bad bit. So does this do, 
these numbers, like I, I brought this up today because I wanted to see is a, as a fellow McKenzie Gore fan, does any of this kind of worry you really low BABIBs, really high strand rates? Um, a lot of people are probably expecting that the ERA is going to rise next year. He's going to be in double a for full season facing higher competition. No one expects him to have a microscopic ERA every single year. He's in the, in, in the organization. So does this mean anything to you or is this just kind of nah, interesting stat, but let's move on. I think to me, it's just more of an interesting stat. Let's move on. I mean, he's still so young. It's like, you know, these stats are going to change. I think the ERA is really the one that I pay the most attention to where the normal baseball fan would. These other kind of stats are a little. I love analytics as much as, well, maybe not as much as the next the next guy, but I think ERA is still the most important stat for a pitcher. Yeah. Strikeouts are nice because it guarantees that the player is making an out for for the pitcher. Um, low walk rates are good. Keeping, you know, soft contact rate, FIP, all that stuff's really good. But the game, uh, don't t- I don't want to hear about wins, though. Wins is, don't yeah, get me I think it's ERA. But ERA, yeah. you're, you're in direct control of how many runs you're allowing. That is literally the only thing to me that matters as a pitcher. Right. So we can look at some of these other numbers like FIP and BABIP, and we can get indicators for maybe this guy is in trouble. Maybe he can't sustain this kind of success long term. I would guess with his tools, this is just a skill that he can have a high, have a high strand rate, keep the strikeouts going. And long, I don't think anyone's worried about him is basically what I'm trying to say. It's kind of, this was like a fun thing to talk about, but it's nothing. I think that's going to affect Gore long-term. And I think you agree with that. Yeah, not at all. Okay. Moving on quickly to team USA. This was a thing that came across uh, about a week ago on the news where we heard, we heard about yep. this. Okay. So USA Baseball has named its roster for the World Baseball um, Softball Confederation Premier 12. That was on Thursday. The 28-man roster is made up of 15 pitchers, 13 position players, and none of them can be on an MLB 40-man roster. So we were wondering like, why Mexico doesn't have Luis Arias on it. It's because he's on the Padres 40-man roster. Christian Villanueva. He's on Mexico's roster. Mexico's roster, that's right. Currently playing in Japan for... Someone. Another ex-Padre on the USA team, Clayton Richard. Playing for who? USA. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. No, hold on. What are you talking about? This is for players not on... He's not on a 40-man roster. Give me the roster. Pull up the roster. I don't have the... Pull up the roster. Goddamn. Fucking... I saw this on Twitter, Jesus dude. Jesus Christ. All right. Touche. Clayton Richard is on the team. That's the biggest upset in the history of upsets. Don't doubt me, bro. It's like all prospects. Like, there's Joe Adele... Uh, Dalton Varsho, Andrew Vaughn, who got drafted last year. Uh, they other... need that veteran veteran presence. Like I've been saying, <laughs> the Potters need to pick up a veteran. How about Clayton Richard? We could bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> now that he has world baseball. There are <laughs> let's, let's get back into this. Uh, there are six former national team alumni on the team, seven of the MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects. Uh, one of them is Joe Adele, who I just mentioned. So one Padre made the made the team, and he also happens to be the only second baseman on the team, and that's Xavier Edwards. Great for him. He's going to need a lot of playing time. Yeah, I would think so, being the only second baseman. Uh, we're going to talk about him a little later. He keeps coming up somehow. This has to be such a big vote of confidence in Xavier Edwards, not just for him personally, but if you're a Padres fan and you've heard about Xavier Edwards, this is this says a lot about who – Team USA or what Team USA baseball thinks of him and what 
uh, prospect, prospect evaluators and other evaluators on different organizations think of Xavier Edwards. To make this team is the only second baseman that's huge. No Nick Madrigal, Oregon State Beaver. Yeah, not Florida. Right. Not a Florida Gator. Uh, so USA Baseball is going to begin their Premier 12 uh, tournament, I guess, or round robin, whatever you're going to call it, in Guadalajara on starting on November 2nd, going through the 4th, as a member of Group A with the Dominican Republic, Mexico, and the Netherlands. The group of death. Not for us. I don't know. Mexico could be good. We're going we're gonna to fuck this group up. The top two nations from Group A will advance to the Super Round in Tokyo from November 11th to the 16th. So this is all to qualify ahead of the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. That's a t- that is a tough group. All those teams should be in the Olympics. If we're doing baseball in the Olympics, how are, all these teams should be in it. Right. I don't get why they're all in one group. Yeah. This is this is the qualifiers. This isn't Group A in the Olympics. This is the qualifier to get into. The, this is nuts to me. I think. Yeah, the DR and the U.S. are coming through. I think Mexico got a little fucked. How are how is the Dominican and the U.S. in the same qualifying group? That's insane. I get that they're in the same area, but like baseball. But the Netherlands is in that group. That's and then they the stuck the area. Netherlands in it too somehow. I guess because all the players are from Curacao anyway. Oh, true. Yeah. Uh, although that shouldn't matter. Anyway, we're gonna see uh, what happened in the Olympics. Uh, the final two Olympic berths will be decided in March. So looking forward to that. Anyway, let's get to our big game of the day. And this is kind of the last thing we're going to do today because there's not a ton of prospect news other than uh, the Nationals jumping out to a 7-0 lead. Are currently cards. your NL champions. It's it's over. It's over. We're saying it's over. You heard it here first. It is, we're going to go up 3-0. And how many times has a, a team down 3-0 come back to win a series? An NLCS or an ALCS? Was it the, the Red Sox, the last team to do it in like 0-4? Weren't they down 3-1, though? Not even 3-0. I think it was 3-0. Mm. And then David Ortiz had, like, three walk-offs in a row. Anyway, we're going to get to guess who I'm talking about. So I'm going to describe a player to Wade, and Wade's going to tell me who that player is. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. And... If you're looking at the notes, Wade, which I think you are anyway, I did not have the players' names on the notes. They're all over my head. So, Once again, Baseball America ranked their top 20 prospects from each league, and I'm going to give Wade the number that player was ranked and then read a little blurb about him, and we're going to see if Wade knows who it is. We're going to test Wade's prospect knowledge. He's been on the show for, well, like, 11 episodes, 12 episodes now. Who's counting? Uh, I'm counting. Time flies, you know. So the Pacific Coast League. This was the 10th best prospect in the Pacific Coast League this year. These are all Padres. Obviously, I didn't want to get into all the... Maybe we can talk about some of the other guys if you want to. You want to? No, let's do Padres. Okay, maybe we'll see if I feel like it. Throwing random minor leaguers at me, I'm definitely not going to guess their names. Well, Gavin Lux was like three in the Pacific Coast League and one in the Texas League. He made both lists. That's how good Gavin Lux was. Anyway, this is number 10. This player hit 315 with a career-high 19 home runs. Got called up to the Padres in July... Uh, drew above average grades at shortstop, was voted the PCL's best defensive shortstop by league managers. Sacramento manager David Brundage said he has good instincts, good feel for the game. He's only going to get better. Who am I talking about? Urias. That is one Luis Urias. Yeah. So you're 
famously anti-Arias. Any thoughts on that? Send to the moon. Okay, we're going we're to move on. We've talked about the Lucas Arias a ton. <laughs> we don't need to spend a lot of time on him. But anyway, he had a very good year in the Pacific Coast League, which we all know. Other players, other managers, other evaluators all loved him, and for some reason he just kind of fell on his face. This is number 13. Uh, this burly guy hit 314 with 31 extra base hits in 54 games at El Paso. He was in the majors for good by August. He posted the highest slugging percentage of his career, 547, while recording nearly as many walks as strikeouts, 28 to 30. Projects as a middle-of-the-order hitter with excellent hand-eye coordination, plus-plus raw power, makes frequent contact, uses the whole field. He was number 13 in the Pacific Coast League this year. Who am I describing? Austin Allen. The correct answer is Josh Naylor. Wow. Like that. I hit the, the position from you that time. So that's a that's a pretty ringing endorsement from Josh Naylor. According to, I mean, this is these are Baseball America writers as well as they they you know look at the stats and they talk to the managers and other scouts of the league. And he had a great year, although brief, in El Paso, as everyone does. But they still love his projections. They love him as they love the plus plus raw power, makes a lot of contact, which he does. Uh he Walked pretty much as often as he struck out. I don't. We didn't really see that at the major league level. He strikes out. You know, we did the strikeout numbers. I think last week he struck out at a reasonable rate, not crazy. And in the second year, we could see that number improve. Maybe the walks improve too, and we get a real middle of the order left-handed bat that we have been looking for for a while now. Yeah. Texas and League he's about to get beaned next time he plays Who whatever is? team he played. Naylor. Why for, for stabbing his teammate in Miami? Oh, not that, no. but. <laughs> Which is you know, his story. stare down of that. Oh, that uh, Dominican yeah. Winter League. It's going to take on. one. Take one in the head. All right. Uh, we're going to go through these a little quicker here. Texas League, the 18th best prospect. He set full season career highs in batting average with 283. On base percentage, 349. OPS, 801. Home runs, 18. Stolen bases, 35. All while improving his outfield defense. He's an athletic right-handed hitter. Filled out his frame a little bit this year. Helped him tap into that above-average power kind of for the first time. Compact swing, solid bat-to-ball skills. Who am I talking about? I got nothing. Nothing, really? Yeah. Texas League offense, Edward Oliveras, who mm-hmm. we've talked about many times on the show. Had a very good year. Was an all-star for the league. Made my first-team all-prospects list. Or I guess our first-team all-prospect list. Had a very good season. He's going to move up a ton um, next year in our rankings. Or I'm going to put out some rankings pretty soon, off-season rankings. Number 19, so this guy was ranked right behind him. He jumped from low Class A Midwest League to the Texas League in his first season of pro ball, which was this year. He finished the top 10 in the Texas League in batting average, hit 290, on-base percentage, 355, and OPS, 785. Pretty impressive. And he's hit everywhere he's gone. He's got low strikeout rate, led the league in hits this year. Who am I talking about? I'm blanked again. Really? I'm surprised. This is... First team all Potters prospect designated hitter, Owen Miller. Ah, oh, I should have known. Yeah, that's your guy, man. How'd you miss that? I skipped the position again. That's why I'm, I'm avoiding the positions here and going more like scouting reports on you, and you're not you're not living up to the expectations. I was thinking Texas League AAA there. I, we talked about that even pre-show. I said that's what got me. You're better than that. Number twenty. He's the twentieth best prospect according to Baseball America, in the Texas League, armed with a heavy mid-90s fastball, can touch 98 while manipulating the pitch to either cut or sink at its lower velocities. 
Fastball range from upper 80s to upper 90s. Love that about this guy. Um, according to a Texas League evaluator, it seemed like he rarely threw two fastballs the same. He can sink it, cut it, throw it straight, four seam right past you. He can throw 88 to 98. You don't know where the ball is going. You don't know what it's going to do. So who am I talking about? That is going to be Luis Patino. The 20th best prospect in the Texas League. He didn't even pitch in the Texas League this year. Wow. That's rough. It is one Ronald Bolaños, who we saw get a late-season call-up with the Padres. Didn't really expect a lot from him. He was kind of a kind of came-out-of-nowhere prospect, even um, for me, following the prospects pretty carefully. Had a really good – I mean, not, not the greatest season on paper, but I thought had a good season. I didn't realize he could touch 98. People like his stuff. I like that he varies the fastball speed a lot. Um, it makes it really tough on hitters. And Texas League evaluators really like him. He was the 20th best prospect in the Texas League. Didn't have the greatest. I think he had like a 450 ERA in the Texas League. But he's, a, I think, a solid number five rotation candidate for next year at least. He's 23 years old. He might, I think he's 24 sometime in the offseason. So he's he's kind of ready. Or we also talked about this earlier, mid, middle of the bullpen potentially. Yeah. Probably more likely. All right, these are going to get a little easier. The number one prospect from the California League was who? Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, it was Mackenzie Gore. So he led the league in strikeout rate, 12.5 per nine, which is nasty. Opponents batting average, 137, and whip, 071. So another reason why I don't give a shit about uh, player opposing batters' BABIPs and strand rates against him is because nobody ever got on base against him. His whip was 071, and the batting average is 137 one against. So right. I don't care about those other numbers. He got promoted in July, 92 to 96 on the fastball. Um, great cur- like one of the best curveballs in the minors. He's he's going to be a nasty guy. Number four in the in the t- California League, Patino. It's Luis Patino. Finished second in opponent batting average, 192, six in ERA. He's even younger than Gore. This is amazing. A 109 WHIP. Like stood out at the end of the Futures game when he came in the ninth inning and blew guys away. Some of the top prospects in baseball. Really exciting. Both these guys at the top of the... Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, skipping number eight. We talked about this guy all the time. Not that we haven't talked about Goran Patino all the time, but it's Luis Camposano, uh, the catcher. Like We all know how good he was. He won co-MVP of the league. He was... So number eight, just ahead of Jeter Downs, who's on the Dodgers, and right behind Logan Gilbert, just for a little context. Logan Gilbert is a prospect in the Seattle Mariners organization, right-handed pitcher, moved up to high A on May 1st. And for context, he only trailed Mackenzie Gore in the ERA when he got called up. So that's good company to keep for Luis Camposano. Number 10, this player got called up to Lake Elsinore on July 10th and quickly established he would not be overmatched. Hit 301, ranks ninth in the league from the time he joined. Uh, slash and dash hitter, lines balls to open spaces, lets his plus speed work. Size and swing don't pretend to home run power, but his speed helps generate plenty of doubles and triples, not to mention stolen bases. Who's that guy? Xavier Edwards. That is Xavier Edwards. And he's the only second baseman on the Team USA roster trying to qualify for the Olympics. Love that dude. Number 12, another shortstop. Drew glowing reviews from evaluators throughout the year on his defense. Unsure about his bat. Then he hit 344 in the second half. Fluid defender, makes flashy plays, makes routine plays, plays under control, ranges well, picks the ball with soft hands, makes throws everywhere on the diamond, plus-plus accurate arm. Who's that guy? Arias. That's Gabriel Arias, yeah. 
So we've talked about him. He had a really good year. He made our first team all prospects list as a shortstop. Uh, we're going to skip the Midwest League because there's two guys from there. Uh, one, Xavier Edwards. He was number six. Made two leagues. Yeah, two two lists from two leagues. It's, you don't see that a ton except from the top, top guys. And Xavier Edwards is a top, top guy. The other guy, Hawaiian Punch. Is Hawaiian Joey Punch. <laughs> you just like saying that. <laughs> he was 11th. So Cantillo is a little interesting because he's – Production over projection. Scouts don't love the tools necessarily, but he's been so good everywhere he's gone that it's hard to ignore, and that's why he's made some of these lists. But it doesn't really project to be anything more than like a number four, number five starter. Arizona League, the which is this is rookie ball, so this is where guys go after they get drafted, after they get signed internationally. Really young guys, mostly high school guys, are here getting their first taste of pro ball. So Wade. Who's number one prospect in the Arizona League? You know it's my boy, C.J. Abrams. It was C.J. Abrams. So he was described as a plus defender at short. Uh, has some unorthodox arm angles on his throws, but gets the balls quickly. Good release, good carry on the ball. Uh, they're not sure if he's going to stay at short or would he be better in center field. I don't really care, although it seems like Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be at shortstop for a long time, so why not You know, consider moving Abrams to center field? And he hit really well. He came up and hit just immediately. Uh, how long was that hit streak he had when he first got up? It was like 10 games or something? Like immediately? Yeah, it was longer than that even. Uh, number 10. We got more Arizona League guys. So advanced in his pro debut. Had tools that include plus speed and average arm. Can Has good barrel control, good bat speed. Makes adjustments during at-bats. Swings a little long. Average defender for now. Speed down and athleticism should allow him to stay in center field. Padres manager Vinny Lopez said, this guy and C.J. Abrams know they're the best players on the field. They're the best players in the batter's box. You can't really teach that. So this is going to be a tougher one for you. Who do you think that guy is? I have no clue. Well, that'd be a tough one to pull out. Uh, if you follow the draft at all, you'd probably guess who that is. Everybody was really excited about this guy. Third round pick, 84th overall. Uh, in 2019, signed for $3 million. People thought that was a steal at the time. That is one Hudson Head. You remember Hudson Head? Nice. From the draft. Uh, hit 283 in rookie ball this year. Only one home run, three stolen bases, but got on base with a good clip. And people are really excited about Hudson Head, Hudson Head moving forward. The last guy before we got here, this is number 20 on the Arizona League top prospect lists. He's like a creative player in a video game. This is Vinny Lopez again. He has plenty of raw power, plus bat speed. He will need to continue to refine his approach consistently to get the the big-time pop. Has work to do at becoming a good defender. Shows flashes, below-average runner, but has a plus arm. They love the work ethic. That's a big thing for this guy. So who do you think that is? You've got me again. That's from this this last draft as well. And this was actually the second-round pick, uh, 48th overall. Signed for just a million dollars. People loved him, though. He's a prototypical boomer-bust pick. When he got picked, everyone's like, okay, Preller, this is such a Preller pick. Super athletic. Um, sky's the limit, or he's going to bust in the first couple of years. We'll know immediately. And that is Josh Mears. He hit 253 in the Arizona League this year. Seven home runs, nine stolen bases. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, who's our guy that was first team all prospect? Um, that's That actually kind of sucks, though. Outfielder. 
Michael Geddes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's how you got him. <laughs> he reminds me of Michael Geddes a little bit. But Michael Geddes is the same type of player. He's either going to be really good or he's going to be just like a quad A guy. And that's kind of, I think Josh Mears is going to turn into one of those. A lot of athletes that yeah. Preller's been picking. Preller likes athletes. Is that a good game? We're going to do that again? Cardinals got a hit. Not getting no hit. Colton Wong, good for him. Hilo. My brother lives in Hilo. He went, he went to, he's from Hilo, went to Kamehameha High School. That's going to do it for the show. We're Before we get out here, though, we're going to do our lock of the week, which was kind of bad for me last week. I'm hot. Three in a row. Uh, you took the Saints again last week, right? I did. And you escaped. I don't think they necessarily deserved to cover that game. Manchu Mania is done, like I said. That was that was a close game. I we I liked the Jags going to that game. Luckily, I stayed away. But uh, I took the Rams again, and I'm not going to be betting the Rams again for a while. I'm down to three and uh, three for the year. You're up to three and two. So, who's your lock of the week? You know, the Chiefs are coming off two tough losses. They're playing at Denver. I you're don't not think taking Denver the is very good. Chiefs three and a half. Lock it up. Target locked. Laying three and a half. Yep. Road. Favorites. Yep. Coming off two back-to-back losses at home. I'm hot. If you say so. All right. I like the Raiders. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm over my last one, but I've I've had a pretty solid year. I think I love the Raiders coming off a bye, going to Green Bay, who I think is good, but not unbeatable. In fact, the, the Lions played them really tough. They lost at home to Philly this year. How about that kneel down at the end of the game to not cover? Yeah, if you yeah, Vegas was freaking out. The over and the cover. <laughs> so I like the Raiders. They're fresh. They're getting a ton of points. Six points on the road. Uh, and, and Green Bay is good, but they don't really scare me. I think it's Raiders all day, and uh, that's my lock of the week. Target locked. Nice, Patrick. You got a lock of the week? No, no. Producer like Patrick that. in the background there. Nothing. Thanks for listening. That's going to do it for us today. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Fire Farmhands. If you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to Believe in Podcast Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. For Wade, I'm Ryan. See you guys next week. Go Astros. Toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. This for your baseball thing? Yeah. <laughs> and then you go to the back office. Uh, you put up a golf picture and then like a fishing picture. So there's literally no baseball. Classic stuff in here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.